for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. What were you doing in 1971? Some of you would even be a twinkle in your mum and dad's eyes. Some of you will say, well, I re- let me help you. Um, Arsenal won the league championship at their home of their bitter rivals, Tottenham. <laughs> with Ray Kennedy scoring the winner. <laughs> On that year, or in that year, Ewan McGregor was born. You've never heard of him, have you? Have you heard of Star Wars? He was in that, okay. Um, On that year, in that year, George Osborne was born. In that year, Johnny Vegas was born. In that year, Gary Barlow. They were all born in 1971. And my football team, Leicester City, were promoted to the top division. (laughs) Silence. (laughs) Thank you. 1971, it changed my life. It really did. It wasn't the year I became a Christian. I became a Christian a few years before that. But I remember that 1971 changed the trajectory of my life. There was a day in Nehemiah's life that changed him forever. For Nehemiah, no more compartmentalisation. You know, men have these different boxes in their heads, don't they? They have the the sports box, the DIY box, the me box, the sky box. It's men compartmentalise and they have this nothing box where women can't go because there's nothing in it. <laughs> and you ask them what, you do, what you're thinking about and they say nothing and that's true. As Mark Gungar said, if you went in your husband's nothing box, you start hanging frames and pictures and rearranging the furniture. There's nothing in it. (laughs) But there was a day in Nehemiah's life because he had an undivided heart. Something happened when he heard news what was happening in Jerusalem, that the walls are broken down of the holy city. And it gave him an undivided heart and a one focus to see Zion restored as a light to the world. That day in 1971 in my life was changed. I was by, you may have heard this before from me, I was at the side of Leicester City Market. Gary Lineker's dad was selling vegetables on his market store. And I was telling people about Jesus with my friend David. And I grew in total despair in, a, in an hour. I would say to people, believe in Jesus. And they would say, I really am attracted to what Jesus' teachings are. I, I can, yeah, Jesus could do it for me, but the church, it's a laughingstock. I've got no time for church. I think Jesus is great, but I can't stick it, the church. And in that moment, something was released into my soul. I I still remember it. I was determined to give my life to see that that people would love the church and honour the church 
as Jesus. Now, you might think that's heresy, but the church is a body of Christ on earth. It's meant to be a representation of Jesus' life on earth. And that's been my big passion, to see the church restored in all its glory. So when people touch the church of the living God, spirit-filled church, they touch something of Jesus Christ. So there's no disparity between the two. And since that day, the trajectory of my life, my priorities changed. I will never forget that day. In that moment, I was determined to give myself to see the church a thing of renown, not ridicule. And I worked out it was a smart way to, to use my life because Jesus loved the church and he gave his life for it. Great model. And Nehemiah, in the Old Testament way, saw something that Zion, which represents today's church, he will give, he will give himself to see Zion restored. You see, when Jesus said... I will build my church and the gates of hell will not withstand its advance. I picked up a sword. Yeah. I put some armour. I realised there was a warfare raging that I'd not seen before because the church is a spiritual thing. It's It's a spiritual entity. I do recommend a book for you, Arming Yourself for Spiritual Warfare by George Malone. I think, Simon Marshall, you will have heard of that guy. Because we have an enemy. And you'll see in the chapter 2 of Nehemiah how the enemy used people to try and stop the work of God from being built. And when God gets hold of a person, priorities change. I tell you, priorities change when God really gets hold of a person. You saw it in Nehemiah, you saw it with Isaiah. He was just one day. God, God can do it. He could do it right now. He could do it right now in your life. Isaiah was before the Lord in worship and he said, I saw the Lord, high and lifted up, and his glory filled the temple. He was lost in praise, singing redemptional hymnal songs. I don't know what he was singing but he was singing songs to God. And God spoke to him. Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, I'll go. And an angel came and just seared the person's lips from a brazier in heaven. It can happen in a moment. You come in just into a worship meeting, you can go out different with a different set of priorities because God has spoken to you. Nehemiah 1, verse 3, this is it. it says, and they said to me, this is the messages, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. Oh, how, how we have seen the gates of the church of the, in the nations destroyed by fire. Modernism and sort of just watering down truth. Anything seems to go. Anybody can get married in the church. The, the, the walls are broken down. 
it's interesting, the first reaction for, for Nehemiah was not to act, but to mourn and pray. He didn't throw himself into action. He didn't get a trowel. I've got a trowel here. A wix is special. He didn't reach for the trowel straight away. When he saw there was work needing to be done, the first response was to mourn at what wasn't happening and how things were broken before he picked up the trowel. So often, we men want to fix it, don't we? We want to fix a problem. Nehemiah wanted to fix a problem, but first and foremost, he mourned, then he prayed. And that might be true for situations you're facing at the moment as a man. You've got to fix it. But don't try and fix it if you've not mourned and started to pray to God, because that is the right way to get breakthrough. Nehemiah, it goes on, As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Nehemiah, an exile in Babylon, a cupbearer to the king, then asked for permission to to return to build by raising a workforce of those who love God. And we have to skip forward because of the time, because um, chapter 2, you get lost in it if I've tried to read all the names to you, but do read it at home. But I pick it up in verse 17. He'd now got a workforce together, and he said to them, you see the trouble we are in. How Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. Is that your heart for the church? Can you feel it? From now on, you can almost feel the prayer coming out of his heart. From now on, Zion was his chief delight. From now on, to see the city rebuilt, to see the church of God restored from its ruins is a top priority of this man's life. He, wasn't, he just didn't attend church, as it were. He had a passion for it because he saw the God of heaven had a destiny and an agenda for earth. God can apprehend any time. You may have thought you have a career. I know my path in life. I'm going to do this, that and the other. And that may be right. But God can apprehend anybody. Normally God calls workers, not shirkers. Can I digress a moment for the inner workings of our married life? We know you appreciate Sue and I. You look for the next instalment, what we're willing to share with you. (laughs) We men often don't take action to get involved until it affects us personally. In virtually every marriage, there is a list of things to be repaired by husband. Not being sexist, I know that some men can't change a plug. But this list is magical on two counts. It's a never-ending list. You do a five things and another five, seven things come onto the list. And the second thing about this magical list, any particular items requiring attention will be sorted out according to the internal prioritising of the man. If there was a leaky washer on the tap, it might get fixed in five years. So ladies, just be, you know, understand the time thing. 
if the TV set is malfunctioning, it's an international crisis that must be addressed at any expense immediately. You see, look at the men laughing because it's true. It's true. It is true. We hear of needs all the time. We're faced with challenges, priorities. This week, a, a plastic bag came through a letterbox. Another, will you fill it with clothes? You can't keep giving yourself to everything. There's got to be some prioritising. The priority is this. God's plan for the world is change through the church. You might think that's, well, that's a grandiose statement. Jesus said, I will build my church. Kingdoms will rise, kingdoms will fall, but the church of God will grow and expand. This is not unconnected with us sending Helen out to Kenya today. That's how it works. It's not unconnected how we ask Mari to, pr- to, to, to pray for Helen, who's raising up godly lawyers across Kenya and other nations to help them bring justice. God often uses individuals to change the nations. Think of William Carey. Just as one person to change a nation. You see, when his spirit calls, he consecrates and sends and as we, we're going to pray Helen out today, we're going to do our prayer tunnel, and we'll, she walk through it, we're going to pray and bless her as she moves on to, to help Kenya's children. But upon arrival to this church, it's great to see you, Jen. <laughs> Wonderful. Send our love to Tony. Upon arrival at this church, Helen didn't just sit there each week. Helen got involved. She cared she learned and developed our safeguarding policy, of which we are so grateful. She even offered to clean people's ovens. Actually, she just loved serving other people. Our ovens are going to be very dirty now, Helen. We lay, lay your hands on Mel next to you to, for the gifting flows. <laughs> Wherever there's a breach in the wall, Helen said, oh, I can fix that. Children's ministry, welcome, stewarding, refreshments. Where there was a need, you saw Helen. She she didn't wait to be asked. She saw the need. Let's build. Let's build. God calls people who are workers and not shirkers. And so they said, Nehemiah said, let us rise and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. Helen, you have helped us build a wall in this church. You have helped lay a foundation which we are all very grateful for. Thank you. God saw your love for him was passionate devotion to his priority to see a glorious church. And now that passion will go to the nations. And in its place, Sharon and Anna of filling the gap for, for safeguarding protection. Thank you, Sharon and Anna, for stepping up to the plate. You see, this temple is not made of bricks and water, and mortar. 
It's made, uh, the, uh, the Apostle Peter said, it's made of living stones. We're being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices. And there are sacrifices. Today, there were sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. These had to be put out to stop you tripping up. I could go through, spend half an hour describing to you the spiritual sacrifices that took place today before you arrived so you could sit down and enjoy God. And when you go and have coffee, there'll be spiritual sacrifices taking place to undo this, put it in the right place, so it doesn't get lost next week and doesn't get damaged. You're even unaware of but it's but it's known to God. But it's this and a host of other things that causes Zion to be glorious in God's eyes. You see, because it's not made, the church is not made of bricks and mortar, it's made of living stones, it means... It's obvious, even to me, that the church will grow because they're living stones. So the more living stones are joined, the bigger the church gets, and there's more opportunities for danger and possibilities. So the spiritual... This is very clever what what the Apostle Peter wrote. He says, well, it's being built with spiritual sacrifices, (laughs) It's not just praise, but spiritual sacrifice. Well, it's costing me to get up early in the morning before anybody else. And it's costing me to stick around afterwards when everybody else is going having their chicken and whatever you eat on a Sunday. The sacrifice involved. That's how it's built. Spirit-filled sacrifice. I delight to do your will. I have come to do your will, O oh Lord. I quite like sweeping up afterwards. I really, I, I don't know why, but it's something in me. I just like doing it. I just like cleaning up, walking around, picking up bits and pieces. I like going into the toilets before you arrive and spraying it with nice, fresh strawberry scent. So you don't even, well, it smells nicer in here today. Spiritual sacrifice. Psst, psst, psst. Now John's doing it. Thanks, John. So it takes a lot, doesn't it, to make church work. Living stones. Oh, my word. Helen, you have served as well. Some would say it's crazy to give yourself to this thing. I've had wider family bosses in my younger days and friends all say it's a waste of time what you're doing giving yourself to it in this way I had an art studio manager when I was in design he said you're crazy you're crazy you might as well go and serve God then (laughs) thank you why build it there verse 19 when Nehemiah was getting the work done. It said this, but when Sambalit, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite, servant, and Geshem, whoever he was, the Arab, heard of it, they jeered at us and despised us and said, what is this thing you're doing? Oh, we're building. Yeah, but it's a wreck. Look at the mess. We're building. David, we're going to build. Steve, we're going to build. It will never last. We keep building. See, Jesus, fast forward, 
turn to Simon Peter, who just made it a great pronunciation. Jesus, you are the son of the living God. And Jesus said, Simon Peter, heaven and, um, uh, was it, um, heaven's revealed this to you. Then Peter thought he was on a roll. And he said, um, uh, then Jesus said, well, I'm going to, um, to Jerusalem to be killed. And uh, Peter thought, I'm on a roll here. So he said, oh, no, Lord, we forbid it. You can't, you can't go to Jerusalem. Straight away, Jesus said to Peter, Simon Peter, Satan, get behind me, for you have in mind the things of men, not of God. What's going on there? For one moment, Peter was being a, a mouthpiece for the enemy because he started thinking humanistically, not on revelation. You have in mind the things of men. Oh, this may be inconvenient. This is not as nice as the other place. (laughs) I'm using metaphor here. The Son of Man, Jesus, when he started his ministry, he had nowhere to lay his head. (sighs) Can't be right. (sighs) You're a king. Nowhere to lay your head. Born in a stable. God's ways are our ways. God's ways are our ways. The restoration of Jerusalem was not meant just to make Jerusalem a great city. It was meant to be a light to the nations. That was the purpose of the building. To take the gospel of the kingdom. Graham, you know, you're reading something into it, not? Because when Jesus came and he looked at the temple... He was angry. <laughs> he saw all the money changers there. He, he, he made a whip and he drove them out. He turned tables. Oh, that's, that's not my Jesus. Well, it's God's Jesus. <laughs> he said, you have made the father, my father's house a house of den, a, a den of robbers and thieves, but it, where it should be a house of prayer for the nations. nations. As we move forward, however God opens it up for us, it will be for the nations. When we came here, I had no clue that it would be for the nations. Kenya, no clue. But that's the way the kingdom expands. It's through people touching the nations. You could go on mission to Romania. Well, I've, I've not got this skill, I've not got that qualification. All you need for transformation is a testimony, as we heard from Robin and Carol last week, two weeks ago. Back to the story, verse 3. Then Elishab, the high priest, rose up with his brothers, the priests, and they built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and set up its doors. They consecrated as far as the Tower of the Hundred, don't understand what half of this is, as, the tower, as far as the tower of Haniel, and next to him the men of Jacob, Jericho built, and next to them Zachar, the son of Imri, built. So all these door, um, gates were being built around the city. The sons of Hassanah built the fish gate. So the first two gates that are, um, are established are the sheep gate, and the fish gate. You got that? Sheep, fish. 
Please note what Nehemiah did. There was a division of labour and there was specification, clearer objectives. Right, now you do this, you do that and you do that for the work to succeed. In September of last year, something happened at this church. You may not notice noticed it. Lots of flu bugs going around today. We're a bit depleted. But last year, since October, um, September of last year, it's right, isn't it, Richard? We went through regular attendance on a Sunday morning to over 200 adults. And it stayed at that. Plus 90-odd children. We're nearly in the 300s. When you do any church growth reading, it, the books I've read on it say... When it gets to 200 adults, things change. You can't sustain it with the old model of just one and two people doing the same thing. Richard and I have have talked a lot about this, and we we feel it's right now that we um, develop different roles and responsibilities within the eldership. Richard, appreciate your teaching gift. And in Ephesians 4, it talks about pastor-teachers. And what, what we've agreed is that Richard is going to be taking on the responsibility for the, an oversight, a development of pastoral care in the church. So developing the community group structure for this next season, um, strengthening the pastoral team, so that we're not doing the same thing, so we can raise up more people to help with that. And for myself, I'm going to be developing the fish gate with some good people. And we're going to strengthen the welcome, seeing people saved. Jesus said, I'll make you fishers of men. And some of you now are getting right excited right now. Right now. We're going to develop the discipleship processing in this church so that everybody is discipled and knows how to disciple. We're going to develop further the ministry of this church into this town and beyond to care for the broken. I think there's going to be a multiplication of new ministries that's going to go out from his place and it will be your idea It'll be your idea. I could do this. I could do that. We'll develop that. The first two things, the sheep gate and the fish gate that Nehemiah established. Do you get it? Yeah. Do you get it? That will raise up more leaders because it's creating space. This happened, this started when Richard moved out of the office to get his own space and it had a effect because you, you, Alessi stepping up to the plate because as we move forward we create more space for more people to fill this is exciting isn't it because you God could give you a thought I could do this and I could see people become Christians through this well bless it you could yeah, you
There are gaps that need filling. Parents, please seek out Becky Smith, who heads up our children's ministry, to offer your help. It's our expectation that parents of children who receive instruction in the Lord at this church are on the f- at the front of the queue to volunteer where extra help is needed on setting up and tear down on a Sunday morning. It takes a maximum of 10 minutes to set up the, what is it, the overhead projector frame outside in the Ashford block screen. Was it eight foot by, I'm looking at you, John, eight foot by six foot. I heard last week that Becky and her children were setting it up. How old are the children? They're not here today. They're always so I can. Five, two, and eight. We're helping to set up an eight foot by six foot screen. That's a hole in the wall that needs to be addressed. Verse five, it says, and next to them. The Teokites repaired, but their nobles would not stoop to serve the Lord. Oh, what's going on here? Aye, 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 what's going on? They wouldn't stoop to serve the Lord. Don't like the smell of this. It wasn't because they could not stoop, but they would not stoop. You won't get the nobles of the Tekoites going under the stage on their hands and knees to put that stuff away. All this stuff away on a Sunday morning. No, not me, Gov. Now, they wouldn't have said to themselves, oh, I'm too proud to serve the Lord. They would say, oh, I've got kids. I can't come along, most probably. I've got, can't come along. Get them to football, but can't come along here. <laughs> well, there's a verse of 12. It says, verse 12 of this, it says this. Next to him, Shalom, the son of Halohesh, ruler of the half the district of Jerusalem, repaired, he and his daughters. Wow! That must have shaped his daughter's thinking on kingdom priorities. <laughs> this guy took his daughters along. Okay, well, you hold the brick there, and I'll do that, and you can put some water in the sand and the cement. He got his daughters involved in helping rebuild the war. I like this. Ben Smith. I can praise him because if I did it while he was here, you better not listen to this, Ben. I come in on a Sunday morning and Ben's putting out the chairs with a Hayden. Hayden's what? Eight. He started doing it when he was five. He can put the chairs out, can't he? He says, I love doing this. This is great. This is my job. What's that going to do to Hayden as he grows up? Because Ben is teaching his son 
I'm going to serve the Lord with all my heart. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. People come to this country to bring their children to this country because they want a better education. And, and great, that's, that's wonderful. Wonderful. We have a lot to learn in this culture about the importance of better education. But one of the, if you're doing that and not educating your children how to serve the Lord with all your heart and a passion for his church, something's missing in the educational building blocks. I just love Kenny and Lecky. They come along. They, they, the kids are involved. Sorry, our kids. Their young ladies, daughters are involved in doing the worship. They're there. It's it's. Sunil and Vinny, they bring their kids along early because Sunil does the, the, um, the computers. He's learned how to do it. Yeah, we're all going up early. We're going to get to bed early. Get up early. Because today we're serving the Lord. Yeah. That will build something into the kid's life. When we were at Loughborough, we, were, we felt God very clearly called us to go to Norwich to be a part of a church there. Every Sunday morning, for nearly six months, we pack the kids up with a flask, jump in a Volkswagen Polo Derby, very, very flash. <laughs> Registration number EJU772T. So two T. Three hours each way to church because we saw something could be need to be rebuilt and we could be a part of that. We even got there before others did to help put the chairs out. And it was a joyful thing. <laughs> this is great. Love this church. We'll drive 300 miles for this every day as long as until the cows come home. Six and a half hours in a car every Sunday apart from the worship. Now, what that did to our children, it put them, into them, a passion for God's purposes. And they're, today, our kids are serving God. I call them kids, but they're grown up. But that's one of the privileges of being old. You can call them kids. Church. All hands on deck. All hands on deck. If you see a need, fight for the opportunity to serve first. This is uncomfortable. Back and say it because I've got a right to say it. <laughs> because so many times we've cleaned up, polished, sprayed, put the chairs out, put the chairs away. Got a right to say it. I love this church. Richard loves this church. Pam loves this church. We give ourselves, as many of you give yourselves for this church. And it will keep asking these questions as the church grows. And I'm comfortable with that. Because if you give, you'll grow. You give, you'll grow. If you want to grow in the Lord, give.
Some say you're crazy. Well, maybe. Maybe not. (laughs) Maybe not. Nehemiah knew that the work would not be completed on pledges of work, but on presence at work. It's not just one thing to put your name on a rotor, it's if you turn up to do the rotor. <laughs> That's sacrifice. Haggai. There was a prophet who, pro- what happened was, um, there's some debate over this, but the wall, the building of the wall, it stalled for some reason, about 10 years, and God raises up a voice um, through Haggai. And, uh, interesting, do you know the, main, do you know the name, meaning of his name? I bet you don't. I'll tell you in a minute. Haggai prophesies this. Is it right? Sometimes God comes with a question, a prophetic question. Is it right to live in richly panelled houses while my temple remains in ruins? Is it right? It may be, but is it right? This is a conversation in the whole household. Sue... We could do with a new kitchen. It's looking so tired compared to those at number, I won't say number, 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 but you know, those at number 67. So, why spend money on what we don't need to? Perhaps we could replace the work surface and that would be better. And I knew God was speaking to her through me. No, to me, through her. <laughs> this, early this year, I think it'll be in March, we'll be taking an offer, a big offering of what we believe for the restoration of the, the old Wyvern School. If it doesn't happen, we'll have a big offering anyway. But we may need a hundred thousand pounds. I think we can do it. Yeah. See, in my mind, I love my holidays. I love a place in the sun because we're at that age of life where we can afford it. Let's be honest. You do get there, young people, in the end, on the whole. <laughs> and Sue says to me, um, "What did I say to you?" This year, if we go camping once more this year, we can give more money into the offering. Now, that's a big issue for me, because I love my holidays. So I looked at her, and she looked at me, and we both looked at each other, imagining crawling out the tent early in the morning to go to the loo, and as you get older, you go to the loo more. I thought, can I do this for Jesus one more year? I thought... I can. And that's what we've done. This year we've booked a, a last camping holiday. And all God's people said, <laughs> so we can give more into the offering. Now here's the killer, here's the killer, here's the killer bit. Haggai's name 
means my holiday. <laughs> my holiday. Would you believe it? So here's God. He chooses a guy with the name my holiday to speak to his people. Saying, come on. Come on. The temple needs some work doing on it. Will you give in to it? My holiday. <laughs> they rebuilt and set the doors on its bolts. That was a constant, constant phrase that kept going through. Time doesn't allow me to talk about how to rehang a door, but it needs more than one person, unless you're Dave Jankowski. Church, we are living in big days, aren't we? Just look at the news. Look at, Jesus warned it would happen, so don't be surprised. Wars, rumours of wars. But as it gets darker, it's prophesied that the church will get brighter. There are no grey areas now. We're moving from darkness to light. If there was ever a time when churches in this town, in this land across the globe, for them to rise up, it is now, and shine, shine, shine. When I talk to people, I witness to people about this healing and, and that healing, it's wonderful. There's one guy said to me on our allotment, he said, well, how are you looking to pay for this building then? Because he lives near, down, down in the clock house. And I said, well, we give, we give generously. <laughs> I said, we give a tenth of our wages and we give gifts on time. He said, you don't, do you? I can't believe that. That's, that's a miracle. <laughs> that's, what, that's what provokes people more than often healings, unfortunately, because there's such a spiritual materialism in our nation that when people come along and say, I'm going to give into something, it's so countercultural, it just shocks people. Let us build. And finally, I just want to encourage those who give, and many of you do. Malachi, the same prophet, holiday prophet. Oh no, that's another one. That was Agai. I don't know what Malachi's name is. It said this in 3.16. He prophesied, Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another and the Lord gave attention and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord, who esteem his name, and they will be mine, says the Lord. And Hebrews 6 verse 10 says this. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you do. Father, I thank you for this church. Lord, we only exist to serve because you, Jesus, got up from table because nobody else would do it, and you've wrapped a cloth around and you wash people's feet. Lord, I thank you. Keep your serving spirit on us, that as we grow, we build. As we grow, we repair. As we grow, we see this church strong, a light to the nations. Amen.